0: Hello and welcome back to One for Paul, the show where I, the original non-pop culturist, get inducted into the world of pop culture by friends, comedians, and nemesis. Joining me today is my high school drama teacher.
1: Who, you know, some people think that teachers are nemesis, but, you know, I'm like, I know who I am and Is there a word for a
0: good nemesis?
1: Oh man, that would be digging into like the English language English teacher slash historian, part of me.
0: Rival, um, maybe uh,
1: there needs to be there needs to be a word exactly. There needs to be a word for someone who like pushes in you and challenges you and like calls you on your stuff. I mean, I'm trying to think. It those are Those two famous tennis players that like antagonize adversary? each other, but like they, mm, yeah, we could go with adversary. That still I sounds like that's a quite little bit too much of a negative tone. Problem. Yeah, that still sounds too negative. Um, I we'll would figure just,
0: it out. But first, yeah, this week you had me watch a movie. I sent you the list, and you immediately sent me back the, the word WHAT in all caps.
1: <laughs> yeah, because no one I know has heard of it. Like, I'm really surprised it's considered this pop culture thing, because I'm, like, walking around preaching the gospel of this film, and, like, the fact that it was on your list, like, I want to know who threw that on your path.
0: Oh, that was, uh, a couple of people did. The first one was a uh, former co-host of the show, Dan Chapman. Uh, who's been a collaborator of mine for a while, and also Carl uh formerly of Pop Culture Pod when I was producing that. So wow. both very big film buffs. And they were like, uh, if we're covering films, here's one that you should see. And a couple other people have said the same thing you did, which is how is that on the list?
1: Yeah. And, and for me, it's, a, uh, again, I don't know anybody who's ever heard of it. And I've lived in five different states and Yeah, I used to live in London, which is obviously how I met you before I moved back to Texas. And I mean, the only reason that I know about it is my mom kind of, you know, made film history kind of a thing she did in the house. And she kind of fell into this small little French pocket of films in the 60s. So I watched a few of them and I don't know, once you see Umbrellas of Cherbourg, you never forget it. But I mean, it's the thing when there's an off period in class, like if kids are testing and I don't see them like... And you know, I had them, like two hours at the end of the day for like standardized testing. It's like one of those things I put on because I'm like, we well, you're a captive audience and you're never going to see this. And I want you to see this. And by the end of it, I have like teenage boys standing up in their chairs, screaming at the screen like, why? What? And so, you know, if I can get teenage boys in Houston, Texas, excited about a French musical... I mean, it's just showing you the universality of it all, as far as I'm concerned.
0: That's right. Welcome to Umbrella Corporation of Cherbourg, where it's been 10 days and counting since the last zombie outbreak.
1: <laughs> That's a much darker version, but it does connect to my whole spiel that Tim Burton has got to be a secret Umbrellas of Cherbourg fan. The color alone. And I can see mm. him blending it with zombies. That'd I, be a I masterpiece. Got color I would watch that.
0: I got color notes. Yeah. Just don't yeah, worry be about hard the color to notes god the colors
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it's like they figured out technicolor and they just turned it up to 11
0: (laughs) i feel like that happens a lot in technology but we got to start from the beginning unless there's other stuff you want to say at the front
1: uh nope everything else i know can just run with what we're when we come across it i've certainly got some very fun ideas about this film
0: so fade in to a highly choreographed overhead crane shot of Cherbourg on a rainy day and a lovely song by the film's composer, Michel Legrand.
1: Mm-hmm. And he just died, I think, in the last year. He oh, just no, really? passed. Yeah. Yeah. And he like won awards for his work, but.
0: I'm not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Part one, Le Départ, the, uh, the the going the going off, I guess, the starting. Uh, mm hmm. Look a garage where a handsome mechanic is finishing work that second car shows up on first viewing it was just a rich dude in a fancy car on second viewing. oh man, that guy he's here. You know the guy I'm lost. which part did I miss Oh no, Have no I no. missed a the, the layer the opening of this film? scene when the guy when we're introduced to. Guy, right a guy in a car comes in i got
1: yeah and
0: then he says oh yeah i'll fix your car and then another car comes in and the boss is like hey can you stay an hour and he's like no i can't stay an hour i got a thing and he leaves to get his thing the customer is someone we will see later
1: have i completely missed that layer to this film that i love so much? have missed that layer
0: watch the first scene again i'm telling you it's him if it's not him it is a spitting image
1: well, and what's crazy to me is, you know, I mean, I have a little crush on the lead, so maybe I've just not looked. Anyway, maybe the color is so distracting and the lead is so complex and charming.
0: <laughs> In the locker room, I'm... the guys are washing up before heading home. They discuss their plans for the evening. Handsome Man here is going to the opera. And I can hear the voice of the director delivering a sales pitch for his movie. To to the investors, see, it's an opera, but also a movie, but also an opera. And this guy likes dancing. We'll have some of that and also opera, right? Ah, uh, See, but here is where. So when you were on my theater tech crew, did we do the musical
1: Grease? I feel like we did when you were my tech crew.
0: We did, uh, but I was not the technical director for that one.
1: Yes, I, I do remember that. But in my head, I'm just kind of thinking, this is clearly, you know, proving that there is powerful dance and song set in an auto shop that, you know... It just sells it as a formula, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this can be the dream sequence of Grease, Lightning, with like the intense color and choreography and things like that. There's obviously not like, super dancing there, but you know, you look at this like uber masculine place, and it's like, but no, there's there's room for some for some fabulous music here as well. I don't know. I guess I I think like the.
0: I mean, guess to me, opera is by definition, a masculine thing because I was introduced to it by my grandfather and my father loves the, I go to the opera with my dad and it's like a thing that men do together and also women do together. It's, it's not a gendered thing, I guess is what I But here's what
1: I would, here's what I would counter with that. We have one cliche statement that we use relating to the opera and we say, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And Bugs Bunny has that helmet with the little braids. So in my head, I think I jumped to women first. Not that I don't think couples went together and like everybody goes or that it is gendered. I just think you're not going to have a lot of guys in like auto shops dreaming of doing like musicals. You know. Maybe not. But I think people
0: But uh, I think fronts in the, you know, 1950s, that might have been different because I don't know, maybe that's like where you go to listen well, to cool car music. design.
1: Well, and car design used to be a lot more about chic lines and like aesthetics than more so than it's today. So.
0: Cybertruck. You
1: know, the French, yeah, the French are pretty good at, you know, making things aesthetically pleasing. So if you're going to have aesthetes running through cars and music, I mean, yeah, I can see it happening. But, you know, with the bright, sharp colors, I always think of, you know, the first time I saw music connected to an auto shop and it's just swinging the other direction. But, you know,
0: mm, yeah, it maybe. just sells the idea to me. Cut to him arriving at an umbrella shop to see his girlfriend, Genevieve, who works there. She runs outside and they make out in the rain while her mother sells an umbrella to a dude who walks into an umbrella shop and says, I'd like an umbrella.
1: I've always wondered how lucrative an umbrella shop would be. To, I mean, which clearly becomes a problem throughout the show, right? Um, you know, without too many spoilers. It's but not um, a good
0: shop. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very it's, good shop, but all they sell is umbrellas.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think of like all the little, you know, whenever it rains, you know, in London, you know, all the umbrella little stalls come out of like the main shops to sell the quick little ones that, you know, but it's never the main line. Like never have I seen an umbrella shop in real life. Although I do want to say when you go to Euro Disney and they have a little side park that goes along with every Disney park has got their main park and then they're going to have like a little one-off custom side park. Have you been to the one in Paris? Are you Uh, Once when I
0: was little, yeah.
1: Okay, well, their partner park, and I forgot what it's called. What Disney did was they blended. You know, they have to ask the local culture what they have to offer. And France is obviously very proud of their cinematic heritage. You know, the inventors of all lot of technology for film. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, has been covered over and over again. So um, a lot of what that park does is it goes back to, like, things that connect to French cinema. And one of the little fake storefronts that they have there is actually the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, like, oh, window Oh, I didn't front. realize. You're kidding. It's it's one of those and they have a telephone pole out front and from it they have an umbrella that is kind of like – the top part of the umbrella is kind of like against the pole and it's obviously where they siphon water. And then when you stand under it, like a fountain comes on and you can pose your picture underneath an umbrella that's like braced there and you can grab the handle while it rains and the umbrella of the Cherbourg thing is behind it. Like the French are very, very, very proud good. of this film.
0: That's very good. So I know. mean we'll get to what I actually think about it as we do the scene by scene. But the French Mm -hmm. definitely seem proud of this thing. Uh, Cut to Mm -hmm. Guy. This is the handsome man's name. Uh, He's going back home where he seems to live with his aunt Elise, uh, who's old and ill. Uh, Also lonely and both happy and sad that Guy is going out with a girl.
1: (laughs) But is this the scene where she talks about sometimes happiness is being sad or something like that? That's the one.
0: Yep. (laughs) That's the most... I'm
1: like, that is the most French line in the whole film. I was
0: going to say exactly that same thing. Glad we're on the same page. And I'm like, ah, yes, life. I remember now. God, I find that so refreshing from French cinema, honestly, because I go to France and p- people are like, yeah, it sucks, but what are you going to do? I'm going to do stuff. And I go to America yeah. and I find people being completely distraught by things like they didn't have the canapes I like. I'm like, ah, Yeah, I mean, on, there's then.
1: a certain... There's a certain gravitas that comes from, you know, acknowledging the suffering and finding the will to keep going anyway, you know. The French have had one heck of a ride throughout history, so I got some chops to say those things.
0: I got some notes about what's happening historically during the period of this film even, so Mm -hmm. folks got reason to complain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Here's her nurse, Madeleine, who arrives uh, so that she can smolder at Guy for a bit as he prepares to go Mm -hmm. out with Geneviève.
1: Mm -hmm. You see her smoldering? Oh, full on. I mean, and of course, knowing what you know, it's it's interesting, but yeah. But, you know, it's also one of those, he's indifferent, which, you know, and I think my friend taught me the term of hanging a lantern in cinema where, you know, something comes across and you realize this is going to be important later, but maybe you miss it the first time the way through.
0: Hanging a lantern. But, you know, I like that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I like it.
1: It's like some term for it. So when she comes in, I mean, she seems more than a throwaway character, even from the beginning, you know so you kind of pay attention to her and yeah
0: i wonder how that's done is it presence it might be just leitmotif like she has her own leitmotif
1: mm, i don't i don't know i don't know but she uh but she's charming and you like her from the beginning and she's established as like a kind character and you know yeah there's no complaints about her
0: cut to the opera where you know who else has a leitmotif is carmen where who they're seeing at the opera and Genevieve's dress wasn't ready in time so it's still full of pins which seems to only be an issue during this first scene while they're watching the opera and not at the dance club they go to afterwards.
1: (laughs) I also love the fact that if she's wearing a dress that's kind of pinned together, uh, how exactly, there's only one time that it it actually hurts somebody? Like, I don't, I mean, in my head, I mean, Lord knows, I am the queen of, you know, I mean, I can dance in platform shoes and tall heels for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, I mean, I get the whole, sometimes you got to suffer to pull off the outfit you want to do. But never would I be like, I'm just going to pin this together because this is the only dress that I want to wear. I mean, other dresses won't work because they're finished. But no, I'm going to commit to the one that potentially, oh, 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 total random story. There was the, I'm not going to throw her name because I don't know if it matters in the podcast, but there was a Danish teacher when when I taught you and I was friends with her and I rode the bus with her. And she talked about how when she, um, went to parties and she didn't want people to mess with her. She's, she was so interesting. She would wear this like baseball cap, but she's, this is very strange. She stuck pins through it like a little porcupine. So that way, because people would always try to like snatch her hat, which is a weird thing. People, I don't know why that would do that at a party, but she did it to keep people away. And I'm like, why, why, why is that your solution? Why are you going to go to a party if you're that worried about stuff? Like,
0: Maybe don't wear the hat.
1: I know, I'm just kind of like this, I mean, just the picture of what her life was like and that concept, I don't know. So to me, the idea of like, I can't think of any times anybody wears pins and garments to leave, oh, except for that one except crazy Except for that story. one
0: person who is doing it to deliberately turn a garment into a weapon.
1: Yeah, exactly, to weaponize her hat, you know, so there you go. Uh, also- but yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful dress, and yeah, but all of a sudden it seems to hang on perfectly when she's dancing, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, that is the most read I have ever seen at once.
1: Speaking of which, I had mentioned to you before, this film inspired La La Land. I
0: have never seen La La Land. I understand it won an Oscar.
1: Um. Well, that was the thing. It was the one that was on the stage and was awarded Best Oscar, and then they realized they read the wrong envelope. Oh, that's what happened, And they called up Moonlight, and Ryan Gosling has the most adorable giggle as he's stuck on stage, realizing what has just happened. So it did win lots of awards, and the guys who wrote the music for La La Land are the ones who wrote it for The Greatest Showmans. They're kind of like the current musical darlings right now of movies. But La La Land, um, there's a few references whenever you see it. I'm not going to go into the whole thing right here, but whenever you see it, there's a moment when the two characters meet like in a coffee shop where she works and, and as she's walking superhero. out. Right. Well, no, 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 no. There's two. I'm going to get there. Okay. Um, she, they're walking out and she works like on a Hollywood like studio set um, and she's a coffee shop there. And when she walks out, she points across the street to um, a window from Casablanca. But right below it is the umbrella shop from Umbrellas of Cherbourg. So like the director, I think his name was Dave Giselle. I think I've got his name wrong. That's probably it. He put that scene, that that umbrella shop is in the movie, but he points out the thing above it so you can see that it's there. But then also they do end up going to a club later in like a dream sequence and it's got all red walls. And that's when I was like, by then I'd already figured out that it was a comparison to the film, but yeah. And the character also wears browns and blues, which... If you'll notice the main gee wears browns and blues. So Ryan Gosling, his color choices in the film match it. So La La Land does color stuff and those red walls show back up in the film too. So anyway, yeah. Super recognizable.
0: Yeah, I now feel like I need to add La La Land to the list. <clears throat> you I think Casablanca have is to. already on the list.
1: La La Land is wonderful.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so I've been told. I mean, I guess you don't win a lot of Oscars for a bad film.
1: Yeah, and then almost win Best Oscar, but, you know, become a different part of history for a different reason.
0: (laughs) I feel like it's more memorable for that, because if you were to ask me who won the Best Movie Oscar the last, say, any time in the last 10 years, I would be saying, uh, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it lost to Moonlight, and if you haven't seen that film, I wasn't even mad because I love Moonlight so very, very much.
0: On the list. I think it's on the list. If it's not, I'll add it.
1: You need to. They
0: dance for about 10 seconds, just long enough for Genevieve to deliver some exposition about her mother's disapproval. Uh, Cut to Mm -hmm. the docks where they discuss the future. Mm -hmm. Turns out there's going to be like electric cars and stuff.
1: (laughs) And Dot Brown is going to show up with a wonderful dance number. He's a hell of a dancer to do. Not everyone knows that.
0: First, 1st uh, first they're going to have a daughter named Françoise. That's the first thing they reckon is going to happen. Uh, then they'll sell mm-hmm. the umbrella shop, and then they will own a petrol station. And most importantly, they will stay in love. Yeah, it's good that you plan to stay in love. Surely no end-of-act-one plot devices will conspire against them, causing these events to occur exactly as they've described, but in unexpectedly disappointing ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not like when stories start out with a young couple in love, they're ever going to face any problems. Who would do that?
0: What kind of monster, I ask you, would write (laughs) such a story? (laughs) Genevieve knows exactly what her mother will say, and it turns out she's right word for word. Almost like it was scripted. Almost like someone wrote that down. Also, wait just a second. She's 17, and he's 20. That is barely inside of the standard creepiness quotient. I don't know if I should give it a pass.
1: Well, that's, that's obviously part of her mom's concern, the idea of, you know, you're too young to know what love is, you can't understand it, and you shouldn't be, you know, dedicating your time to it. You know, but who knows what the social norms are in small towns? I mean, the scale is obviously very different for people, but yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Her yeah. mother is of the opinion that Genevieve is not actually in love because only she understands love.
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, that's what moms do. They're the ones that understand love and they can control it for you. So Naturally. You know, yeah.
0: And also, I guess she I'm got... Trying- the- Sorry. Go ahead.
1: I think so. I think this is Catherine Deneuve's first film, too.
0: Is it her first?
1: I think it is her
0: first. I guess. Belle de I mean, she was, was very
1: young. She was she was a teenager when this film came out.
0: I guess Belle de Jour was a few years later, wasn't it? That was like sixty seven.
1: That one is sixty seven, and Umbrellas of Cherbourg is sixty four. I don't see anything else. I'm scrolling on her IMDb right now.
0: Uh, I don't see anything else. That I have a comes DVD collection that, that I purchased for this episode because I could not find a streaming service that would stream it for me. And oh, uh yeah. yeah, welcome to UK, I guess. Uh it says mm-hmm. Donkey Skin, uh ma saison préférée and uh Manon 70. Hm. Or a Manon uh, 70. Huh. I don't know. Okay, you
1: know what? No, looking at the math, she is 21 in this.
0: Yeah. So I was yeah. mistaken. She she but, plays I, I think she gets away with looking 17 kind of.
1: Oh, they do. They do it with the with the clothes and the thing and she mm-hmm.
0: is A lot of she's just stunning. Me,
1: she is stunning. I she's think she's the cute. most beautiful person I've ever seen on the screen. Mm. I mean, she's a little she's a little crazy nationalist party now. She's kind of complicated and a little little bit off the. You know, I mean, I'm an American, and I don't think I would have liked who she voted for nowadays. But, you know, stunning woman, absolutely stunning.
0: Uh, also, I mean, I
1: she's in she's in the film The Hunger, which is like a 1983 vampire film with David Bowie. And they're, like, romantic partners. And, I mean, even then at 83, she's just striking.
0: Six degrees of Bowie.
1: Mm-hmm. Telling oh, you. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. Bowie.
1: Bowie. It always goes back to Bowie. So there you go. Uh,
0: also, Buddy hasn't done his military service yet, being 20, I guess. I'm not sure how conscription works in 1950s fronts. I tried to look it up, and it's quite difficult to find out, weirdly. Uh, I'm sure That's that odd. won't come up later, though, so it's probably fine. <sighs> It's not like it's going to be the major yeah. turning point of the film or anything.
1: No, no, it's not like it's going to offer a big problem they have to, like, address. Sure. Mm.
0: The mail arrives, and it turns out they've got to come up with a bunch of money or lose the shop. hmm I think this scene of them making lunch while sort of idly arguing back and forth, both about what to do about the shop's tax bill and whether Geneviève should get married, is just one of my favorite scenes of the film. It is so exactly a real conversation that they're singing to each all of this is singing, by the way. It's all recitative. I was so getting far. ready to
1: say I was gonna say you hadn't mentioned the fact that literally every word is sung in this thing. Every single word. It is all it's recitative. It's not like dialogue and like dance numbers. It is just all kind of free jazz, I don't know. Pulling into songs every once in a while. Well, I just mean in the sense that like do you have like actual dance like songs, song, songs, right? But then you've got like the little bridges that go between like the full-on I Will Wait For You duets and things like that that are like the radio bits, which I think is why my mom even saw this film because the song I Will Wait For You was on the radio in America. Oh, really? And it led everyone to this film in the 60s. Huh. And so, yeah. And and I do catch it every once in a while in commercials. But so, but then you'll have kind of like the little like, you know, kind of snap and jazzy lounge kind of... Free form, not quite song structure bits that get between the more traditional song structure parts. I'd
0: call this straight up classical recitative, but done with uh, jazz like chord uh, chord um, chord extensions. So it yeah. it does frequently feel more sort of folky jazzy, but this mm-hmm. structure of the recitative is. It, it, there's a lot of voice leading and uh, this is getting very inside baseball. But yes, I agree with you. It's all, it's a tone that I don't hear a lot in any cinema. In fact, I think it's the Mm-mm. first time I've heard a recitative in cinema when it wasn't primarily like, when it wasn't something that was a musical on Broadway that was then brought over to cinema.
1: And I think you're right in the idea that I never really thought about it being more opera-like than traditional musical because traditional musicals will have dialogue and then songs. Yeah, yeah. But this one does seem to this... You're right. This is an opera. I never really thought about it before. I just took it for granted, but you're right. Yeah.
0: But what's weird is it has fewer songs and most of it is recitative. That's unusual because mostly Mm -hmm. you sort of have recitative to sort of put your actors in the right place and while they're doing costume changes and stuff, it's like, well, what do we do in the meantime? I don't know, sing something. It's sort of that. I'm I'm minimizing it, but that's – it's not the main attraction, (laughs) whereas in this film it is the main attraction. It is the driver. Yeah, it's the
1: the plot mover. Mm -hmm. I mean the emotional stuff comes with the songs, but the plot moving is all done in that state for sure.
0: Even the emotional stuff, I'd argue. Even the emotional stuff. But we can – if we really want to get into the weeds of the music theory, we can maybe do that. But – Uh,
1: well, it's more for me when I think of like the bigger scenes, I think of the songs that are going with them and they're they're the ones that they're traditional radio.
0: I see what you're saying. More like, yeah, I think we're agreeing except in quantity. I think, I think the recitative parts do a lot of the heavy lifting and it leads us Mm -hmm. to the, the big numbers call it, but even calling it a big Mm -hmm. number, like nobody ever sort of gathers into the middle of the stage, all of the actors to have a big finale. That doesn't happen.
1: There's not like a spotlight kind of, you know, psychological effect happening in that Mm. aspect. You're right. Um, and one thing that I do want to mention is, you know, that dialogue that you were saying about the two of them kind of having that thing when you see them going through different rooms. My mom is always like, when we're watching it, she's like, look, they match the wallpaper. They coordinate. <laughs> their,
0: their clothes, oh, God, the wallpaper is so much.
1: The clothes complement the room they are in. Mm-hmm. And look at how strong the choices are. I mean, even the doorway between the shop and into their house, that's like that three or four foot deep kind of archway. That you can tell is like two buildings join, mm. but they cut like you know a hole out. I mean, even that has got pattern, and it's beautiful. And I would love to do that, but I mean, just strong choices, and everything is complementary. I mean, it's just like wild layering and intense color and pattern.
0: I mean, it was. But made I mean, in they the co-
1: they complement the walls, yeah. But they're complementing the actual wallpaper with their clothes. Oh yeah, it's just it's magical it's and it's eye candy it's, it's a eye lot
0: candy eye, eye candy uh candy in the sense of like you've eaten far too much of it and mm-hmm. suddenly your oh, stomach's no, exactly. a bit sick and my eyes hurt looking at it
1: yeah but i get to the point where i just i dig on it because it's just you know my ears are listening to the music and like my eyes are looking at the walls and their clothes and noticing the complementary colors and the patterns and how they work together and then i'm also like emotionally into what's happening in the story mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's a very real story of, you know, whether you live in a small town or a big town. Oh, it
0: totally I mean, works. love is always
1: a universal – you know, love is always a universal thing. But everyone can understand what it's like to have these adult conversations with your parents and, you know, or whoever is like your, the, the adult that you have in your life, you know. So a lot of the good mundane stuff is captured in a very fantastic mm. visual and oral experience. So I don't
0: know. Yeah, note also on the way that they're speaking French. Uh, French is, of course, one of my native languages. It's just Mm -hmm. normal speech patterns, the way that they're doing the diction, the way they're choosing the words, Uh, at least uh, somewhat dated, but this was actually made in the 60s. So, you know, I can't expect it to be today, today. Uh,
1: Well, and my French isn't nuanced enough to even pick up like any kind of regional accents or anything like that. They
0: they don't really have much. A couple of people have some accent in here, but none of the big people. They all sort of speak with a reasonably sort of neutral accent, by which I mean kind of Parisian. Hmm. Okay, uh, but yeah, this is what a lot of it makes it sound like to me. It's it's colloquial language sung in an operatic style, which is kind of neat. I don't hear that a lot. Mm-mm. So anyway, it's why not? A fun sell- ride. So anyway, why not sell some of your jewelry? No, those are for emergencies. <laughs> this kind of qualifies. Maybe you should think about it. You're just going to lose the shop. Is that <laughs> not a all right? <laughs> Yeah. She's particularly And the fun- style
1: the style of acting is a little bit oh I mean and it's not And and I would say the style of acting is a little bit I don't want to say camp, but it is a little bit stylized. You know, I mean the I mean she legitimately does like her pearl clutching kind of vaguely silent film <gasps> kind of stuff, you know, and and it's not that that was the style of the films at the time, because like when my mom has had me watch like um, a man and a woman and a few other like the French films at the time, which were more naturalistic. I mean, this one, though the dialogue feels natural, like their expressions and everything are just a little bit. I feel
0: like they wanted the to top. evoke the opera in the way that they moved and mm-hmm. the way that they blocked scenes. Mm-hmm. Because again, this sort I of I can like, believe that mm-hmm. I, if I need to project this to someone at the back of the room, I need to clutch the pearls, right? Mhm. Mm-hmm. It's not huge in yeah. that way, but it's the film equivalent of that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's definitely a little bit above the normal. It's sort of hyperreal you know,
0: in that way. And I think that's also yeah. the colors because nobody in real life mm-hmm. is going to color that much red of that hue. You know what I mean? They they might make the walls red, but god, that's red.
1: <laughs> I'm literally right now looking at my corner cabinet and it is painted that color red.
0: Okay, my so you're not people <laughs> though. So
1: well, it's next to like a green couch. And uh yeah, I mean, I'm, I am a color junkie, which could be why I adore this film so much. But I mean, yeah, when I paint all my colors that well, my walls that color. No. Help. Having said that, when I moved into this house, the person did have all red walls for the, every room in the house. Every room in the house. It was it was a lot. So I guess even maybe that person to doesn't that exist. Down, but,
0: is what I'm saying, yeah, right? even though I
1: was, Yeah, exactly. It's was like that's it's too much. Yeah.
0: Cut to the jeweler shop where the dude in his fancy car from the first scene seems to be a trader. I was gonna trader. say,
1: is it, the guy? it is the guy? Yeah, later as I was, oh, right I was thinking, now. I was like, Wait a minute. Right now is when I No, happens. I know I was get- No, I know, but what I was thinking was, wait a minute, I think that is the guy he's talking about from the first scene. I think the last time I caught it and I was like, Oh, there's what's his face? I don't remember his name at all.
0: We'll learn it in uh, just a moment. For right now, he's just a guy who's selling jewels to the to the jeweler here, who seems impressed and wants to mm-hmm. buy all of the jewels and whatnot. Uh, turns out mm-hmm. that uh, the main guy he can't buy the necklace because business, but the gem car mm-hmm. mustache man seems interested in Genevieve. I mean the necklace and wants to buy her. I mean it.
1: This is all that's 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 the caption. That's it. Ideally, like, I like how you call him Mustache Man though, because that's a very
0: Distinctive. Look at his mustache and tell me that that is not the reverse <sighs> Hitler.
1: It is just, well, for me, it's imagining the time when you would see that on a man and be like, that man is the virile man that I need in my life. That is a sexy, mustachioed man. Not that he's unattractive, but the idea where, like, that mustache, I mean, of course, to me, it's all the cartoon villains now, right? Like, if it was a little bit longer, he could be trolling it. But yeah, fashion is funny.
0: Now you just look at that mustache and go, is it November already?
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> uh cut to tomorrow where it turns out that uh he's a crook and also genevieve teens out to see her to see her boyfriend despite her mother's protestations i mean i guess he's not a what crook. do you mean
1: what do you mean he's a i was gonna say what do you mean he's a crook i was like well that's what a she joke thinks. I
0: they both think that oh and then it turns <clears throat> out he's not a crook after all he was just running late
1: Mm-mm. mm-hmm yeah exactly that's right sorry i thought you meant like his intentions i'm like no he has honorable intentions no they call him a crook. he's definitely pick yeah i know i forgot that part but they uh yeah they're his intentions are pretty obvious because they
0: left the necklace with him yeah and then just went yeah. like cool just get me the money whenever man i've never met before
1: <laughs> yeah maybe that is like the secret to her business failing
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that and having nothing to upsell yeah no yep. add-on sales, nothing? I mean, nothing? Not, even,
1: not even gum at the counter, man. Come on. <laughs> They're France. Couldn't she sell cigarettes? She could tell cigarettes. Anything. Yeah.
0: Come on now. Yeah. Coin purses, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Something with a branding Anything. on it.
1: And for me, I just got to wonder, like, if I've never seen an umbrella shop in real life, and to be fair, maybe umbrellas were really, really expensive back then, and they were considered luxury item. I, I don't know enough about the umbrella industry to make any statements about that at all. But, like, what would inspire him to be like, I know, we should create a shop as the setting that sells something I've never seen sold in a shop by itself. (laughs) People sell bags
0: for thousands of pounds.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because it has the
0: name thing on it. I don't know. Uh, But
1: But people leave umbrellas in public more than they leave purses in public.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I agree, which is why probably, uh, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, come on, sometimes luxury goods, the price is not based on the function of the thing.
1: No, and that's fair. But it's more the fact that we can all picture a handbag shop. But can any of us say, well, yeah, there is that umbrella shop down the road around the corner from Boots?
0: No. Uh-huh. No, I agree. So what, what made
1: him dis- What made him decide in a small town, they're going to have an umbrella shop and that's going to be the setting? Or maybe he just set it up to be like, okay, no matter what, it has to be a dumb business model set to fail for this story to work.
0: I feel like that's <laughs> closer to the way I would do it. Yeah. But, you know, I also haven't written any good films. I've written a bunch of yes. bad films that have never got made.
1: Well, I mean, that's how Edison got the light bulb, though, right? What was his line? I have 99 ways not to make a light bulb.
0: Uh, yeah, he also didn't invent the light bulb, but okay.
1: Oh, no, you're right, because there was like the one guy who like the filament inside. He invented a
0: stronger filament is what he did. He, he put exactly. stuff together. There were paper That's filaments right. before. There was a bunch of other filaments before. He was, I think he used tungsten for the first time. Anyway, not a big deal. He was a fraud in a lot of ways and stole a lot of people's intellectual property and claimed it as his own. He was a marketing guy who is not very good as an engineer for the most part. Anyway.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. The, the Bill Gates of the light bulb world.
0: <laughs> fun translation note. Uh, in English, she describes uh, the life we lead is so sad for a young girl, this dreary shop. Uh, In French, she doesn't say dreary. She says ce magasin sinistre, which is almost the same as the word sinister in English, but like more strongly implies something which presages trouble or sadness. Mm -hmm. But also dreary kind of works here, kind of, because there's the double meaning that is in French but not in English. So the poor translator had to choose one. (laughs) So,
1: Well, for me, I always laugh because the word for left in Italian is sinistre.
0: Yeah, it and just it goes left. back
1: to like, yeah. I just, was this but it also the
0: devil worship or something. The devil goes through the left hand, so don't use that. Exactly. Thing. In fact, exactly. everybody cut off your left arms, please.
1: Yep, I just left love eyes, like that. Nuh-uh. That word always makes me giggle. So yeah, it's a good word.
0: It's a very good. Yeah, and in French, it sort of implies something bad coming up. So it's uh, it's interesting that she chooses that word. Well, uh, you also, would
1: have all the French notes that I certainly would not.
0: Uh, yep yep Uh, i speak this language for some reason uh so well you're putting
1: it to good use
0: right about here they go into a room that is just so pink and orange and oh my (laughs) god it hurts to look at they sip tea and uh he pays for the necklace and heads off informing us that he will be back in a few months to see how genevieve is coming along
1: yeah yep that's how love works
0: that's how love Sorry. works. I'm just going to check in with you in a couple of months and see if you're in love with me yet.
1: Yeah, did it work? I
0: will lay the trap. Cool. How much longer do I have to wait? Because I've, I've got stuff to do in London. <laughs> okay, I'll be back soon. All right, later. Uh, cut to uh, the garage where Genevieve and Guy meet up once again and discuss the future. <laughs> Turns out they've got like uh, these phones that can do more than phones can do. Her mother is going to be a problem, but that's okay. They can elope together and live happily ever after. Happily ever after. Happily ever after. That's how it works, too. Uh Uh-huh, especially in real life.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got to push that button and make it happen.
0: I mean to say that he's actually been drafted into the Algerian War of Independence and is going to be away for like two years. Yeah. I love their duet here about how upset they are about all of this.
1: That's, yeah, yeah. And I, and I believe that's, is this leading up to the their, their night?
0: Oh, yeah, this is the day before the night.
1: No, but I do like the scene when they're, I think that's also the scene where when they're walking together, you can tell they're on like a automated pedwalk because their legs aren't moving, but they're still going down the sidewalk.
0: Oh, they're on a dolly for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. They've got something that's just dragging them. But then I do love one thing that I think, and, and La La Land does this as well they do kind of like Wes Anderson will set up a, a shot to like balance the composition like there's no throwaway choice for a camera angle in a Wes Anderson film right there's always like what's happening in the foreground and then the thing you're also watching in the in the background which is amusing and i love the scene where they're going down the alley and you're right you see like the squares and that shocking pink and there's like the green i don't know i just think that's always like an especially interesting composition of a shot there, as it kind of leads up to it. It's yeah. a
0: weird shot, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful. It's I mean, also just it sort also... of what
0: Wandering Home Drunk feels like, <laughs> isn't it? Come on now.
1: Yeah, and you get like the you get like the wet, grimy looking streets. I mean, oh yeah, that that's a night we've all had. So with with less pink walls and green neon lights and stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Also notable that the Cherbourg outside is almost always presented as, like, wet and gray and grainy mm-hmm. and unpleasant, except in a couple of scenes. But, like, most of the time, it's like, well, I mean, it's northern you'd, France. What do you want?
1: Yeah, you'd think your umbrellas would be in high demand all the time because there's clearly a need for them nonstop.
0: I <laughs> mm-hmm. guess there's only one thing for it. They've got to make this evening memorable. And the only question is how should they spend their last night together for maybe two years? Scrabble, Mm -hmm. Rousing Game of Chess, maybe they should do some knitting together.
1: Well, I just always am amused whenever that trope comes in a film where people spend one night together and the chances of getting pregnant on the first try are like, no, but that doesn't happen to anybody. That's just not how it works, right? And so it's like crazy because, I mean, I do, I did have a friend in college who lost his virginity to a girl on campus and she got pregnant he disappeared for a semester and was like, what? And then when he came back, he like, you know, took fatherhood and they had like, she was like 10 years older than him. And they took like, they wanted to have like four kids and being together. But it was like, wow, the night you lost your virginity was the night you got a girl pregnant. Like that's the statistical chances of that happening are nuts.
0: Don't, don't gamble, sir. Don't gamble. Or depending on how you feel about that kid, do gamble.
1: Yeah, exactly. Depending on how that all turned out. But I mean, I, I really don't like the trope when you see it coming. When you know they're about to part, something's oh, yeah. about to happen, and you know that they're about to go inside, take care of some, some shaken hands, and you know that st- statistically they're not going to be pregnant, but that sure has a high statistic in movies. Kind of like mm-hmm. I hate when you watch any kind of crime show and the criminal is almost always left-handed. It is like exhaustingly irritating because it knocks out like 90% of the population. I mean you would think that left-handed people were like deviant criminals for as much as they're the criminals on TV shows. It's just like lazy writing. So. You might even say I mean, they're I...
0: somehow sinister.
1: Wow. Nicely done, sir. You're welcome. You're welcome. Nicely done. That was beautiful. I'm no, both proud and ashamed Do not apologize. That. No, no, no. I'm well done. So
0: um, Yeah. My note for this section is, is she going to be a teen pregnant? Because I feel like she's going to be a teen pregnant. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cautionary tale in place. Also, Gee's Room is another of these colors, blue this time, and I'm starting to wonder if this is a choice the directors made or whether this is just what rooms looked like in the 50s.
1: I mean, the fact that my mom pointed out the color in that film, now granted she was in America, but, you know, I mean, wallpaper was never cheap. I I think this film is full-on color bonanza mm. but again he has always got blues and browns when you watch him those are his colors
0: and a really sort of uh, saturated yellowy brown too like an orangey yellowy brown like a warm brown mm-hmm. not like one of those gross poo browns
1: yeah and, and when you watch um la la land he's Same the only colors. character that's that seems to stick to the color line mm. of who he represents in the story um, and, and la la land is not a remake of this it is heavily inspired by okay so it's
0: sort of its own thing and also highly inspired by thing
1: it's lots of nods imagine like it's like a rap song there's like samples from the film in there
0: got it got it later at Genevieve's place she tells her mother that Guy has been conscripted which makes her very happy her meaning her mother she's actually devastated
1: yeah yeah well what you know look at these moms knowing what their kids don't know and uh
0: Two years, Choosing perfect.
1: to, yep, good. I can figure something else out. Someone with more prospects,
0: or at least at hmm, that I wonder point, who you'll she be has 19. in mind.
1: Yeah, I wonder who she has in mind. So, uh-huh. yeah, but the idea of buying some time. Mm-hmm. But the mom could do better about trying to look disappointed with her daughter, though.
0: A little, well, little I mean, bit she's, not being, she, she's not being looked at by her daughter. She's being looked at by us, the camera people, and she's like, "Oh, that's a relief." While her daughter's like crying in her lap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But she's kind of flippant where she's like, you know, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. But I guess is what moms are supposed to that say, is right?
0: Not just mom thing. That is so exactly how I would expect any of my aunts to respond to anything I've ever said. It's, it's <laughs> maybe very Gallic. And like being from Quebec, there's a great deal of French stuff. And I've seen people do uh-huh. that exact face when they're just talking to a child and going, okay, no, no, don't run with the scissors. I'm going to take those from you now.
1: but yeah i mean it certainly moves the plot along i mean the it the plot is very well and very clearly established there's no nuance in the plot right you know they're gonna meet there's gonna be a war the mom doesn't like it there's somebody else there's very obviously another man and another woman involved in the storyline tangentially but not in a throwaway role so you know it's kind of going where you think it's going to go at this point
0: yeah, we get a short scene where Guy in a suit is off to war and saying goodbye to his aunt Elise and to her oh. nurse Madeleine. Uh, as he says goodbye to Madeleine, she continues to smolder loudly at him.
1: Right at him.
0: Like just directly. <laughs> like if she had taken off her clothes right now, I would have been like, no, yeah, that's a, that's right. That's exactly that's what, what she wants.
1: That's, that's where this is going now.
0: Uh huh. So, yeah. Straight to yeah. checkers.
1: Hmm. and then his aunt i mean you get the the charlie and the chocolate factory you know infirmed person laying in bed all day long mm-hmm. with like the younger person being sent off oh, kind ad- of
0: except that in this case she's actually bedridden and not just like until it turns out that there's money somewhere
1: that she needs to start dancing at a candy factory until exactly. that moment is called upon right That's yeah. The one. yeah i mean but if he had walked in with a golden ticket it could have been a whole different movie i mean the music's already there God, no, I would love to me? see these okay.
0: both of these films made by each other's directors. That would be hilarious. Uh, cut to Again.
1: Down- hmm? Tim Burton, I'm telling you. It's
0: got that hyper stuff happening. And we've got him producing. <laughs> hmm Cut to downstairs, where Genevieve is ready to walk with him to the train station where they're t- where they tearfully say goodbye, and I think the most stylish shot of the film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh the the folks making this really understood composition. Mm-hmm. But also, is it cliche yeah. by 1964 or is this the thing that creates the cliche?
1: I was going to ask that question
0: because it no. is
1: this train, the train goodbye thing. In my head, I think I can picture some kind of black and white Bogart when trains were more prevalent in films. But in my head, it is certainly, I, I've often wondered that. I keep meaning to look it up. You know, is this the thing well, that trains. makes the goodbye train station? Trains are but, a
0: nice thing to film because you know exactly where they're going to go and how quickly. So you can set up a camera and get all your frame rates and everything right. And also, like, some of the first films were trains. So I I would be shocked if this were the first. But also, it would be really interesting if it is.
1: Yeah. So, like, for me, I, you know, my mom had me watch this film when I was a teenager. And I spent um, a summer in Florence um, studying Italian and Carlo, you remember him from, uh, where we, where we, you went to school and I worked, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, came down. He was my boyfriend at the time and he came down to visit in Florence, but he came by train. And so like I had this moment where he only stayed for three days and I got to walk him to the train station in Florence. And then like, you know, he gets on the train and in my head, I'm like, where's my blue scarf? Like this is my <laughs> waving goodbye to somebody on a train moment. I am having my cinematic moment here. I can't think of anybody else I know who's had this moment. So like this, the film stuck with me as I'm like, you know, in Italy, in a beautiful town with beautiful architecture. And, you know, my, my, uh, swarthy boyfriend is getting on the train and he's leaving. You know, I, my, my, I didn't sing in French to him, but that's probably made things better that I didn't attempt to do that. But yeah, it's a great. It's the one that's in all the previews for the film,
0: and just, it's you uh, know the. I song. was waiting for you to say, and then I got to the gates and they asked me for my ticket, and I couldn't get in.
1: No, no, I did the whole cheesy. Like, have you ever?
0: No, <laughs> you in, ever think th- about th- it. in Italy they have totally went the, through naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: but have you seen the film Airplane? Surely you have.
0: Uh, I have seen Airplane, and don't call me Shirley.
1: Oh, see, oh, oh, man, you are – you got some serious – I'm going to get out my scorecard. I can't keep track of the points. You're <laughs> nailing this.
0: That's two. Don't That's know, how many scores so far, two.
1: But now I feel like it's coming. So like I'm ready for it now. I'm just going to keep track. But there yes. is the whole scene where like Elaine is like saying goodbye boy. to him. Yeah, it, there's that whole scene where like Elaine is saying goodbye to him, either in part one or part two, and she's like smacking into the, the lampposts as she's like running alongside and saying yeah. goodbye to him. I don't know if it's him or some other love story, but – you know making fun of the cliche which is that's obviously it. at least you know 15 years afterwards so luckily you know i was half being in of Cherbourg, wishing i had my blue handkerchief and half looking out for polls as i ran alongside the train for a little bit <laughs> to say my goodbye and, and he hung out the window and waved back yeah well twist my lucky numbers that's you know that's that was my sign to quit but yeah he hung out of the window back at me he was the only person it was It's pretty fabulous. That's quite
0: the thing. It's quite the experience.
1: (laughs) I highly recommend it. Everyone should have their moment. Go make it happen.
0: Part two, l'absence. Absence, Absence, effectively. Uh, Mm -hmm. But first, could we just talk a little bit about this war he's going to? Because this was the Algerian War of Independence, which lasted until 1962. And this film was made in 1964. I like that the filmmakers used the overarching political events to drive the plot. And I don't see a lot of war movies doing this or movies just mm-hmm. being like, this. Is, we're going to acknowledge what was happening and use it as a driving force in the characters' lives because, of course, it would be. Uh, though now I'm living through a, my, what, fourth or fifth giant historical event of my life before the age <sighs> of 40. It's exhausting. Uh, here's the thing. If I were writing a love story set in current year, I would feel weird ignoring SARS-CoV-2. I would feel weird. It would have to be there if it's any time in 2020, 2021, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'm now guessing that this is maybe less this is the story I want to tell and more, well, we have to address this because it would be weird otherwise.
1: Well, by the time you've written the script, made the film, got it into production, distributed it. You know the idea of the jump from sixty-two to sixty-four is not that big of a stretch.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the war was just about over. Also, nineteen fifty-eight is uh, when France's fourth <laughs> fourth republic ended and fifth republic started in what was effectively a coup. So oh, wow. there was some stuff happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. People stay busy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't need to get too far into that or too political. Just to say there was some stuff happening. Uh, so mm-hmm. we join our heroes in January 1958 at the umbrella shop. Uh, Genevieve looks pale and has just been to the doctor. Guess she just needs to rest for. Oh, she's totally pregnant. <laughs> she's she's unbelievably pregnant. How is anybody They're not, not seeing this? Time. I have ne- I have seen two pregnant people at this stage of pregnant, and I can tell.
1: And they're like, okay, let's get rid of him. And now the next scene is immediately her pregnancy problem. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, guess who Mum saw at the shop earlier? But Roland Cassar, the mustache guy.
1: Oh, yep, 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 yep. When you said his name, I remembered it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, can't, you know, it can't be serious. Uh, you know, he went to the doctor and he just said, like, ah, he gave me some stuff. Don't worry about it. Okay, I won't worry about it. So, guess who Mum saw in town? she saw him and it was super exciting for mom. Mostly. I was now convinced that she was going to end up with, uh, oh. with Roland Cassard. Like I thought oh, that's she the for, it was She going. for
1: sure. She for sure. Yeah. was uh, she's into him. She is, she, she has a cougar vibe happening for sure.
0: I want it. So therefore my daughter wants it. What part of this yep. is complicated for you? That's how it works. In real life, as in everywhere else, uh, being told that, uh, Ye hasn't written her recently and her mum's convinced that uh, like, ah, he's probably forgotten about you or died or something. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Anyways, have you seen this rich guy? Look at this rich guy.
1: Yep. Just a perfect transition, but you know, it'll be fine. But yeah, exactly. Have you noticed his, uh, his dashing mustache?
0: <laughs> how, I mean, how could I not? Yeah, so... How many kilos of grease do you think he puts in his hair every day? Too many. Too many kilos.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the mathematical measurement.
0: So she she says at one point, Obey-moi, uh, which is translated in the mm. version I saw as obey me, but that's a lot harsher in English than it is in French.
1: Yeah, I would have said listen to me is what I would have picked up on it.
0: I would have said something as do as i say or mother knows best something like that because that's what she's mm-hmm. meaning like moi is mm-hmm. like i'm your mom i'm telling you i'm your mom and go do the thing please right mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is contextual and implied in french and it's got to be tough to, for translators to be like okay i understand the feeling how do i make anglophones understand this
1: yeah i mean and that's but that's why you have industries based on which translation you're going to do of any text mm. and how they're all different you know yeah, but the translations and things like that for sure make it interesting. And my French is restaurant, directional, passable French. But, you know, you're always when – you're, when you're reading a translation, you can tell more is being said than is being put in the caption. And so it's always kind of interesting to try and figure out the missing pieces that you're not being offered, but it's not your language.
0: I don't know about more. I think sometimes the word choice can either – Limit or change the way that something's being presented to a different language audience, and uh, I think
1: when I go ahead,
0: no, yeah, I, I was going to say when, and when you're bilingual, you can sort of see what's missing, but also say I don't know how else to say that in English, though. So I guess that's pretty close unless you were going to well, sit there and spend three sentences explaining it and then it would you, you can't do that in a dramatic work you have to choose.
1: Well, and that's and that's what you, and that's the point that happens because I do speak pretty decent Spanish and I had this conversation with I mean my, 70% of my students are Hispanic. Hmm. And we have the conversations of you know, you know when you watch something and they're putting subtitles and you know that they're not they like yeah they never put it all in there. And it's like, well yeah, they're you know, if they
0: That would be a cool assignment actually. Do the do an actual translation.
1: Yeah. Reading is slower than listening and you know they 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 can't wait for them to catch up. Yeah, you know you have time choices. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm always a little bit wondering exactly what beautiful nuance things I'm missing as they're making compromises and choices for efficiency to honor the craft in the subtitle mm. anyway. Well, I, can, yeah.
0: I can tell you in this film it was pretty good. It was pretty okay. good. There's that makes me feel a better. few places where I was like mm, I not sure I agree with that one, but mostly it was, I should clarify in case that got lost because to me, it's obvious when I hear it. And then I'm like, how would I say that in English? Oh, mm. uh, so here, his name, this is uh, Roland Cassart. Uh This is a cool language thing, actually. The his, This is also really, it's a real name, Cassard. There are people named Cassard. I looked it up. There's like military people, people of note named Cassard. It's a real surname. Uh, But it's also a word that's derived from casse, which means to break or broken. And cassard mm. would be a person who breaks, if we were going to verb it that way.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Right? That's yeah. cool. Like, given that they could have called him anything, like, they could have called him Renan Dubois or, like, whatever uh-huh. else they instead... Ch- this feels like a choice to me, but I don't know how much of a choice it is.
1: Well, I mean, I would even get into, like, you know... I would want to look up cuz and or this he's is me broken, making I a guess. gump. But even still I'm making a guess for Genevieve isn't that related to the, like some of the roots are that are related to the word like young or spring or something like that or am I just gonna make him too big uh, of a joke? Genevieve.
0: Mm. Technically it's sort of homophonic with uh jeune but mm-hmm. I don't know how related the word Genevieve is to Gen actually because it's spelled differently the J and the G are right. quite different th- I, I don't know actually that one. Might that's total yeah. guess. Uh, because I've known a lot of people named Genevieve, I'm like, actually, that doesn't sound like, but it, it, uh, that's also where it limits me somewhat because that's mm-hmm. just the name of people to me.
1: Yeah. And, and I have two friends in that for sure, but I don't know. I mean, it, when someone does that for a character, there might, and, and it's a subtle one, right? It's mm-hmm. not like an over the top Dickensian character name. Ugh, so there yeah. might be other things like that. I mean, the guy's name is Guy for crying out loud. <laughs> You know it's just like some guy, but i I mean, I love it I, I mean to me he's, he's kind, kind of, of but, like, but
0: pretty distinct,
1: no, and I love it. it's one of my favorite names though, like one of my favorite French names, um, and I do like him as a character, I mean he's you know he's he's well he he's kind of strong but now. he should be, yeah, exactly, that's fair, okay, sorry, let's get back on track, sorry, sorry,
0: uh, but yeah, uh the I had a note about how much I like the Mum clutching her pearls whenever mm-hmm. she's sort of worried because she's used to having pearls like her whole life and now she doesn't have them so when she's nervous mm-hmm. she's like i'm gonna reach my oh it's like when i'm wearing my glasses <laughs> after a shower or something and i sort of go to adjust mm-hmm. my glasses absentmindedly and i'm like ah where did i yep. right yep. yep yep i remember what i was just doing three minutes ago i like that the actors <laughs> took on elements like this of the characters i i like that mm-hmm. a lot uh cut to later at supper where they're enjoying a dessert of galette des rois with their guest roland cassard who has been invited despite her pregnancy, which she's now told her mum about. Mm -hmm. I am so impressed with the intricacy here. This whole scene, I hope it's not lost in English, but it might be a little lost in English. Uh, Vous ne pouvez donc pas vivre sans l'autre. It means, so, therefore, you couldn't live one without the other. Neither of you can live without the other, is that right? And they sort of go, well, you know uh we've never really been apart and ce serait pas moi qui aurait la faute it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my fault if we did have to separate and then she pulls the little the the la fève the, the bean out of the um, out of the galette the cake. and she mm-hmm. says c'est moi qui both meaning it's it would be my fault and also i have the bean and how much do you know about galette des rois and the bean
1: Okay. Well, let me tell you right now, you're talking to a Louisiana girl and we I eat was king say. cake and I just bought and you would have been there for my Mardi Gras stuff. I would have had a Mardi Gras party every year and you would have had some of that king cake.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Cause uh, so that would have been in our spring production. I would go home to Louisiana at Christmas, get a king cake, keep it in my freezer until Mardi Gras. And then I always had it, um, with the theater kids at night when Mardi Gras happened. And it was almost always for some reason. Yeah. Anyway. So oh, yeah. I just bought yeah, them you know exactly. and they have the, Yep, and so, but that's where me growing up in Louisiana around French culture, you know, the anglicized version of it is hinted there. Yeah, I mean, I probably got the bean, you know, in the cake kind of thing for sure. So, yeah, I mean, and I don't know what it translates to over there, but basically, if you get the baby and the king cake and the Mardi Gras cake, um, you have to buy the cake the next year.
0: Oh, not quite the same then. Uh, it's sort mm. of like a dinner game uh, for the listeners who are not sure what we're talking about. The galette or the king cake is uh, its a cake, it's a dessert. And inside of it, sort of like a British Christmas pudding, instead of a coin, though, they put a bean, a fave, right? Traditionally, there's also, you can put little like king shaped things in there. Uh, the idea is like a kid normally will sit under the table and name whoever gets the next piece, and the person slicing the cake will sort of hand them out, and whoever gets the bean gets to choose the king for the day. Uh, In this case, she chooses her king, which is said very specifically, not choose le roi, but ton roi. And she sort of looks across the table and says, well, I guess I don't really have a choice, it's you. Meaning both, he's the only man here, therefore king, though uh, currently it's king or queen, so we've sort of... That got equalized pretty quick. But in the 60s, it was definitely still, you know, but she can't be the king. Kings are men. So she has to choose her king. And here's the only man available.
1: And I feel like this is one of those shots where you see her saying it and they've done like an extra filter treatment on her face to like kind of, you know.
0: Oh, and she stares directly into the lens.
1: Exactly. I mean, they kind of like, you know, know another word angelify is not a word, but that is like a certain... Like, let's highlight her extraordinary beauty and give her these, like, big doe eyes as she's looking right at him, you know? Like, she's not unaware of the nuances of what's happening as far as, like,
0: she's, she isn't mm. so
1: very much against it that she doesn't recognize that this needs to happen. And this is what she's going to do because she's trying to walk the two lines. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting character development because, She's obviously very distraught over Guy and what's happened and she hasn't heard from him. But she's also very much like, well, I've got to be thinking about this and I better take advantage of this to at least keep my foot – like, you know, my, myself in the game while I figure out what I want to do. So, mm. I mean, I don't you know, it's ugly to call her manipulative, but I mean – She's not
0: manipulative. So, no, I don't exactly, think she's manipulative say, at all. I think she's like, well, what are my options here exactly?
1: Exactly. But that's what I mean where it's like, you know, you don't even know that she sincerely likes him for him. Mm. And that's what I'm talking about the idea for being manipulative I see right what like you're you know saying, yeah. it's like you are the choice I have you are the one that is here based on what you just said you know, mm-hmm. and he seems nice enough and he's not a bad choice he's just not her first choice
0: so this you is know, the first so. place where I disagree with the translation because Roland here trying to be romantic says that Genevieve reminds him of um. What is what is it he says here? Like an actual virgin birth child, like he saw a week ago in Antwerp. That's how it comes across in English. Whereas what he says in French is une vierge à l'enfant," which is just like the name of this artistic figure of the Virgin Mary with uh, the baby Jesus in mm-hmm. her arms, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, usually suckling at her breast. So. Mm-hmm. He's sort of trying to be like, "You look so beautiful, like this beautiful crafted statue that I saw. It's almost like you're an artwork. This is what he's trying to say. The English translation does make it sound like I saw this lady just in the streets in Antwerp and she was suckling a child, and you remind me of her It was so I weird. think because
1: I was I think that because I'm an art person and I know that they've got you know the the Madonna always implies I mean Mary is always called Mary. But the Madonna is her with that baby suckling. Like that's kind of like yeah, the term that Yeah, that's what that we're talking use. about. So,
0: In French, it's yeah. uh, la vierge à l'enfant.
1: So yeah, that's what I figured you were connecting it to. So I guess yeah, because yeah. I was aware of that phenomenon, I I missed how obvious that would sound awkwardly because I made the jump. The but English yeah, you're, sounded you're a bit awkward right. to
0: me, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, for anybody listening, that is what happens. It's like an actual – this is the Madonna that he saw. And he's like, you look just like her. It's, a, it's really nice. I, that was pretty. Mm-hmm. And so are you. And of course she's yeah, there like it, virgin. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but even I, still, I, I need
1: more wine. But even <laughs> still, that would connect to the idea of, you know, that would make him the Joseph figure, right? Like she's got a baby by somebody else that she's going to have to raise.
0: Oh no, they're doing a Jesus. I was hoping they wouldn't do a Jesus this whole time. And I didn't spot them doing the Jesus.
1: But let's discuss back to that cake, right? Because in the Mardi Galette Gras de terms, yeah, of course.
0: The,
1: yeah, the king cake in Louisiana, you put plastic figures of baby Jesus in there.
0: So yeah, that's that the king been,
1: yeah. that you're. That's the king that you're pulling out is the Jesus king. <laughs> so to me, that all connects. To me, that's a religious cake because of my one filter that I've got for it.
0: Oh yeah, and yeah, so, Galette de Wa is. Uh... That is sort of the connotation when you say it in French because it's mm-hmm. well, yes and no. Galette des roi just means like king's cake as in like it belongs to the king, but you you could put a little Jesus in there and be like, Look, this is a king too and it's like wordplay. It's very it's a dad well, joke in a cake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But and we eat those and I don't I don't remember the time of the year in this one, but we eat those like during Lent. You know, mm. so it's so you like can eat them whenever it's leading, it's leading up to like, you know, the Easter and the birth and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, anyway, yeah, at this so point in the film, is, it's like
0: February, but like you can eat these whenever.
1: Well, but that's about the time of year. That's what the Mardi Gras tends to be. I mean, Easter is one of those two holidays. That's Easter is a lunar holiday. Mm. So it shifts every year. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be any time from February to March.
0: So Geneviève so, retires from the table and mom and Roland chat for a bit longer. Uh, naturally, they discuss having Roland marry her, uh, the Geneviève I mean, but uh, first the, the audience, I Need Mum, needs to know his backstory. Mm-hmm. <speaking in Spanish> mm-hmm. Wayne's World noises and flashback. Yep. See, he used to be in love with a woman named Lola who didn't love him back, and he wanted to forget her, so he left France for a while and went all around the world and got so depressed until he saw Geneviève in the shop earlier in the movie. And that's his backstory.
1: And sadly, somehow that made me think I should name my daughter Lola, even though Lola is like, that's not a happy story. But what's funny for me is the name Lola. So that's my daughter's name. Um, from this scene, I was watching this movie and I had the inspiration, but the name Lola is derived from, um, the Spanish name, uh, Dolores, oh, okay. which has to do, with, which has to do with dolor. So the idea of pain mm-hmm. and it's connected to an image of Mary. Um, um, it's a uh, Maria de Dolor or something like that. But mm-hmm. basically, it's when she's like comforting people who are like sad and miserable. So, Lola is a nickname for a name that derives from the idea of pain. <laughs> so, I tell Lola that it has to do with her being able to comfort people in pain because it's kind of a depressing name. I mean, Dolores is Dolores, the word is pain. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind and of this like painful story English. he's telling.
0: About it. Something is dolorous
1: hmm Yeah, but that's going to be the French that links into the English language. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Almost like the English so, language goes like, you made that, I made this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Look at what I did.
0: hmm Look how original the English language is. What's French? Well, I don't I mean, understand.
1: Yeah, that's why whenever all of my Spanish students are like, you know, they worry about their reading, I'm like, first off, Spanish and French are super close. So basically all the longest, hardest words in the English language, you already have a cheat sheet for, and they spend the whole year going... Oh, because I'll tell them what that word is in French and in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, so I don't want to hear you guys complaining about how hard this stuff is because you're you have a bigger vocabulary than my native English speakers. Mm-hmm. Because you access the, the hard French words faster than they do.
0: Oh yeah, Sorry, for real. Weird,
1: weird yeah, side yeah, yeah. Note. So yeah. So anyway, yeah, his story is Yeah, she and think about this, like she saves him, right? Which I mean you can just do a whole bunch of religious imagery stuff happening here i didn't get it's anything like the, religious like...
0: imagery but you're right now that i'm hearing it and i'm so upset because i was like yeah. oh good i'm not gonna well, get browbeaten like... with re- with the religious imagery and now of course i'm like oh right 1960s well, france
1: i was getting ready to say it's not like the french are super catholic or anything
0: <laughs> <sighs> almost like that uh so, but yeah. it's, yes and no yes and no it's complicated well
1: so. no, no 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 the idea of like the history of them Oh, versus yeah. like modern modern day attendance yeah that's all a whole different France has also sure. been
0: a lay state since the revolution so like there's also that
1: well they're pretty good at breaking up religion too i mean they that's all they have true. like the little the, the great schism and the different popes and kidnapping the popes and oh, stuff man, like that if you like, want
0: to go that far back then that's a whole different podcast essentially <laughs> like series of podcasts like we'll have to have multiple podcasts if we want to do that <laughs>
1: Just, it's just some good stories is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So
0: Mum having earlier told her daughter that no one falls in love with a face right away like that seems to nonetheless consider this because possibly he's a rich guy who can ensure her daughter's future and most likely also a future for her. Maybe even a pearl necklace. Who knows? Maybe. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure which of those plays more of a role in her thinking, but both clearly do.
1: Well, and sped up with the timeline of how fast it can happen with the baby and maybe having a father, right?
0: That's true. So. Uh, he certainly seems sincere, and anyways, mm-hmm. he's off to Amsterdam for a while, and reckons Genevieve is free, totally free to make whatever decision she wants, right? Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Free, yeah, that's free how to it works.
0: She can just make any decision. Oh boy, multiple perspectives make this scene very good every time someone says something i've got all three perspectives going through my head and also Guy's perspective i guess all four perspectives going through my head and mm-hmm. it is so good the scene is one of my favorites it's a, it's a
1: big chess chess piece kind of set up right
0: it is so good
1: they're all they're all angling their own stuff for sure they all and i don't think any of them none of them are none, by none their of them are mali- sorry go ahead yeah none of them are malicious though i mean it's just kind of a reflection of how complex the situation
0: can be and it's all logical they're motivated by their own wants needs and desires and wants Mm -hmm. and desires wow redundancy department of redundancy uh but you see what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like they're they're clearly self-motivated and that's fine Mm -hmm. and never presented as bad because again it's Mm -hmm. a bit of a trope to be like but if you love someone then you have to be willing to give up everything
1: no and the french are really good about capturing you know love and it's it's complex brutality, mm. you know, on film. You know, the, the French and the love stories are... I was going to say... Iconic it's for a so reason. So French.
0: Yeah. I eh, love, whatever, fuck it, you know.
1: Yes, let's make this work anyway.
0: <laughs> Cut to winter a month later, and they've relieved, received some letters, including one from Guy. You remember Guy, the, the guy who went off to war leaving a pregnant 17-year-old behind? Yeah, this letter mm-hmm. says, uh, I'm sure you're waiting for me. Thanks for that. Also, uh, I... This sentence at the end of his letter is such a war, is such a war. Uh, C'est étrange que le soleil et la mort voyagent ensemble. It's strange that the sun and death travel together. Oh, that's Her. a war letter.
1: <laughs> yeah, the grittiness of
0: life. He's in Algeria. With
1: the, you know. That's real. Oh. Yeah. I don't want
0: to get too much into what the French were doing in Algeria, but I'm starting to be like, is he cutting off people's things? Because that's, yeah. the French were brutal in Algeria.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of apologies to be passed out for sure, which isn't nearly enough. I don't
0: know enough about it, but my I've read one book and it was not a fun book to read. Uh, <laughs> so Geneviève has some decisions to make. As a letter, she writes to Monsieur Cassard, thanking him for his postcard and looking at a photo of Guy in his military uniform.
1: Oh, before I forget, mm-hmm. uh, La La Land also does the timestamp, like season. Are we like as a title screen? Like you'll see that as well, also mimicked in La La Land. So
0: what you're saying you know. is I don't need to add La La Land to the list anymore because like, no, I'm just saying you're episode. gonna recognize
1: it. No, you're just going to recommend it. It's going to be. It's going to be good. I'm it's looking forward to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, cut to a festival happening in the streets while Genevieve works through the crowds to get to work. Uh, it's March. It's March, so I assume that this is Mardi Gras. It could be Mardi. Yeah. Gras. Do they
1: call it the I, Mardi it Gras? Must be. Yeah.
0: Mardi Gras just means mm-hmm. Fat Tuesday. Yeah. It's the Tuesday where everyone gets fat.
1: Well, it's the Tuesday where they all used to clean out their larders because all the stuff you use to make sweet food is going to go bad yep. in the six weeks it takes for you to get around to yeah, it. So You so, may yeah. as
0: well eat all the sugar.
1: Yep, just binge it all, which then translates to um, you know, alcohol poisoning in New Orleans, clearly.
0: Yep. yep, yep. so Be really
1: bad so you can be really good and get it out of your system.
0: Uh-huh, that's right. That's how that's how God works. I need you to give yeah. up stuff for the next 40 days. Okay, God. So for today what you're saying is that I can mm-hmm. just go crazy, right? Uh I didn't actually mm-hmm. cool. Heard you loud and clear, buddy. Yep,
1: that's what I got. Yep, uh, and Catholic, so I'm so I'm forgiven. Yeah, I'm forgiven, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, shotguns and entire. Uh she's starting to look pregnant according to her mother. Uh I guess I guess a bit. I guess a bit. The first pregnancy, you barely show. Is it? I know very little yeah, about pregnancy. And,
1: and the second and third, your muscle memory pops out immediately. Like I did not even know I was pregnant with Lily, my first one. Um, I just thought after three months that my pants were a little bit tighter than usual. After three months. Oh, wow. Really? And so I, I totally missed the full trimester. But with Julian, I know I was pregnant. And at two weeks pregnant, I was already looking more pregnant than after the first three months with Lily. Your muscle memory is like, oh, I don't know what this is. Here you go. I remember they how this goes. Got it. Super fast. So, yeah, the first one, everyone tends to be pretty tiny.
0: Okay. I didn't know that. So, Well, I, I'm going to get rid so, of yeah, my next note So, yeah, her being then. a
1: teenager and thin. Yep. Oh, okay.
0: My next note was just, she doesn't look pregnant. But wow. I guess I don't understand what pregnant people look like, having not yeah. been one myself.
1: Yeah. Probably a connection. Someday. Yeah. Do you get pregnant someday?
0: Uh, probably not. You're right.
1: <laughs> That'd be a heck of a film though. That'd be a script worth writing.
0: Mm, this is where also she clearly doesn't feel very beautiful and she's sort of uh looking in the mirror going, Oh no. I assume Catherine that's Catherine DeNeuve on her
1: worst yeah, Catherine Deneuve on her worst day is still better than like ninety percent women on their best day. She's ridiculously pretty. Have I mentioned that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that okay. you definitely have a lady crush on this lady.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah.
0: I guess Mum has made peace with the fact that she's about to be a grandmother. What with the tiny knitting thing, the little tiny, she's expecting a girl, you see. So she's made a pink uh, sweater? Sweater. Well,
1: that's because it matches the walls better, Paul.
0: That's clearly, <laughs> that's the main thing. Do you have any idea how much this <gasps> wallpaper costs? You better have a girl because our house is not decorated for a, grand- for, a son, for a grandson. Unless he likes pink, in which case, fine.
1: Actually, pink used to be the boy's color and blue used to be the girl's color. A
0: more decided was color, I believe, is what I read one time, yeah.
1: Yeah, because it was considered a more vibrant, alive color and energetic where the blue was more subdued and docile, which is where the girls were supposed to
0: be. I as guess. As far as behaviors. It's weird how that changes.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Uh, then, lighting a cigarette while, while pregnant, uh, Genevieve <sighs> continues to consider her options. Uh, did they know? Did they know? 58, did they did know? Not.
1: Not then, and I'm sure being French, they were drinking the wine as well. It's amazing any of us honestly ever
0: got this far. Because her mother seems to have misgivings about it, but I don't I don't know how to read this.
1: I don't think they knew. Okay. People were still smoking in the 70s when they were pregnant.
0: Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So as they mm-hmm. talk it over, Genevieve grabs a snack because, I mean, let like, even I understand the pregnant lady, she needs her snackies. Mm-hmm. Do not get between the pregnant lady and whatever munchies she is eyeing.
1: It's the one time in her life when she can eat whatever she wants and no one can say a word to her. So, yeah, they lean into it for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, She reflects uh, that Roland Cassard might not actually be an option anyway uh, because, well, who's going to want a pregnant lady? Uh, A point of language Mm -hmm. here, engrossé, is translated as knocked up, which is... How ugly is "knocked up" as a way to describe? It's a,
1: It's not. Yeah. Is it's, it like super it's ugly? It's a brutal slang. Yeah, it's a brutal slang. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because then "on theme is approximately that. Then, because it means that someone made you fat, like they fattened oh, you wow. like a pig. Oh. Like go is big, but it's also. I fat. was going to
1: say, well, kind of like like foie gras, like they just kind of
0: fattened you up like a g- goose or something. Uh, foie gras is "gras" is fat. So, uh Is that
1: that's duck, isn't it? That's duck. Never mind. Well,
0: yeah, duck. Uh but also foie but is The they like liver. force,
1: but they like yeah, I knew that. Yeah, but they like force feed, feed them it. so the liver is so the liver is fat, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it turns the it turns the liver into pate. So then when you take out oh. the liver, you don't have to turn it into pate. It's like the animal digesting whatever it was. Di- it's a gross way to make food. And I've it is. I've had foie gras and it's not good enough to justify that, frankly.
1: Yeah, it's creamy, but not enough to it's it's creamy and and nice, but I, I mean, I don't want to I've, do that I've,
0: to a duck to get it though.
1: I was here to say, I'm like, but it's not like, yeah, I'm with you. I've had it, I get it, but eh.
0: But yeah, say in French is quite ugly as a way to describe okay. this. Okay. So
1: this is so much fun for me to hear, like the French nuance oh, yeah. of the words that you're able to translate, because it's a whole new level that I don't have access
0: to. Yeah, like someone <gasps> like has super geeking her. out of it. Like someone, if you were to describe yourself as engrossé, it's like someone mm-hmm. has fattened me and I feel gross. Oh wow! So a hmm. uh, new plan. If he somehow accepts, this is Rodin, of course. If he somehow accepts that she's pregnant and he's still cool with it for some reason. Then clearly he's actually in love with her and she may as well marry him because, you know, even if she's not super in love with him, that's fine. Probably. Right? High five. Good enough. How French. There we go. Let's make it work. Yep. Make it work. Cut to April where Genevieve's dress matches her wallpaper exactly. I
1: was going to say, I was going to say that wedding thing. They put her in the white room with the house, the blue accent. Oh, the wedding happens
0: before this? (laughs)
1: No, no, I'm laughing because, like, the wedding – no, I mean the wedding dress. Like, oh, yeah. she is in the room. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't really see that room very much, but now they're obviously saving it for the scene. So uh-huh. that way her dress has the proper background with, like, you know
0: – It's the same print yeah. between the wallpaper and the dress.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Yeah, so it turns out that Roland Cassard loves Geneviève enough that he's willing to marry her despite the whole pregnant with another man's child thing which is very progressive of him in the 50s, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun detail, they have this conversation at the same dockyard where Guy and Genevieve earlier had their date at the start of the film, but that was at the nighttime, oh. and this is at the daytime.
1: Yep, I think I'd forgotten that.
0: And also, they're not exactly dancing happily together, as she and he yeah. did in the first one.
1: Yeah, there's some there's some adult-level understanding at this point. mm mm-hmm.
0: Turns out uh, Geneviève has decided to marry Roland Cassart and isn't super happy about it, or doesn't at least look very happy about it as they're putting their rings on each other at their wedding. Detail, no one's in the church except for her mother and one random lady on Roland's side.
1: Yeah, it's like a resigned kind of, let's do this and get the formality out of the way.
0: Uh And uh, Roland puts the ring on her finger and then... She doesn't put the ring on his finger; he puts it on himself.
1: I don't know what the traditions are for them at the time.
0: You put the ring on. I each mean, other. is
1: that well? I mean, I'm saying, I, is that a universal cultural thing, or is it I don't different know about universal the time. in
0: France? Yeah, totally. Okay, you would put the ring on each other. French culture, yeah, yeah. Well, that's
1: what I. That's what I thought. I just didn't know if that carried over. Was like you know, what Americans and English do versus French. Well, I mean, okay, I guess I know. know
0: that really well from Quebec. I'm assuming that there's, that we're doing the same thing as they do in France. If there's any French people listening, tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, because I would like to know about it. Otherwise, I'm going to assume I'm right forever. About yeah, everything. that's
1: fair. Until I hear otherwise. Until I hear You're otherwise, I am
0: correct in all of my opinions. That's including how Including the wrong ones. Come at me, bro. So on her but wedding day. it's
1: spelled day, B-R-E-A-U-X, so it's a French come at me, bro. Mm-hmm.
0: What's the French? Come at me, bro. Sorry, I cut you off.
1: I said B R E A U X. Oh, it was my really funny like. That's my Louisiana joke. They spell oh. everything that's got B R E A U X.
0: Yeah,
1: everything in Louisiana that's got an O sound at the end, they will Cajunify it up, or I guess Creole it up, bro, and uh, make it A E E A U X. I mean, the, my brother went to a school, and they're it's in Louisiana, and they say Go Tigers, but all of the bumper stickers say G. E A U X Tigers. Go. Cool. Tigers.
0: Like that's, that's, oh God. That's, that's ugh, it makes my teeth itch. That's what I'm telling you. Ugh. That's that's
1: the that's the Louisiana gimmick. Any word that has an O at the end, they will change the spelling to the French spelling. Hey, you know what? You can have it.
0: You can have that. It's all yours.
1: Well, it certainly made it easier for me when I traveled to France because I was able to like you know, I grew up with, you know, teachers named Thibodeau and, you know, all these different I mean I I got a lot of the vowels. Without thinking about it, because it was the names of towns I grew up around. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So So on her
0: wedding day, she's not exactly super happy as she drives off with her new husband, but who knows what's going on with Guy, because he's sort of got that one facial expression. (sighs) Yep. So, again, 1958 was something of a turning point in French history, and uh, what with the end of the Republic and all that, and the military coup and everything that was going on. So uh that would happen officially in September that year 58 and uh stuff was already a bit uneasy so I could totally see someone in Genevieve's position having to prioritize stability over emotional needs. So I hmm. I, I kind of dig I kind of dig that she wasn't like no, I will go with my heart because Disney movie.
1: I was going to say that's the American film though. And that is one of the things that I used to talk about in class. I mean, I made a point to you know, having been to 30 countries and I made a point to talk to my students and I'm like, you've got to leave your American crap at the door because your filter for what you think you're reading is not going to help you with these things. You know, you have to look at this. And so I did talk about, you know, Americans like happy endings
0: and oh, a few times they do not deal with non happy endings.
1: And I'm like, and that's what I love about independent film or our foreign film is they're not. They're not lassoed to that. I mean, you watch a French film, and there's a 50-50 chance it's going to have a happy ending. America, it's a 95 to 5% chance. And if it's going to not have a happy ending, the title tells you that from the beginning, so you're, like, braced for it. To be clear, but the, French the happy stories, ending in
0: the French story is, like, happy-tempered with, eh, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I like. I feel like stories outside of America are more realistic because – there's no guarantee for this happy ending, which is very much more helping you cope with life and the reality of it. Do you know what I mean? I, see what I mean, you mean, things might not always work out.
0: Uh so. also Madeleine is outside the church and sees Genevieve get married. You remember Madeleine, right? Mm-hmm. The smolder lady? Mm-hmm.
1: hmm
0: Yeah. She's got one emotion yep. smolder.
1: Yep. And she's also the
0: news gatherer mm-hmm. to make sure Guy knows what happens whenever he comes back. So well placed. And that's the end of part one of Umbrellas au Cherbourg. Join us next time when we'll find out what's been happening with Guy. Will he ever see his kid? Will true love prevail? Will someone find a way to speak without singing? Join us on part two to find out.
1: La La Land is wonderful. You see her smoldering?